I was thinking about different kind of power relationship in a like relationship, and when I was working on that, and uh, for example, bad dream of relationship number twenty eight, there is a man uh, that just lay down and everything happened in in front of it, like the scene, and I was thinking of patriarchy you know how like patriarchy how like that mindset cause people to cause each other pain and police each other and uh censor each other and like you know that's because like you're scared for the person you love but you are after a while you are the person who who are causing the pain and it just a circle and reinforce the whole things again and again Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 273rd episode, I'm really excited to be joined by Sharbanu Hemza, who spoke with me all about her work. She's an Iranian artist who recently completed her MFA degree at Illinois State University and was one of our 2021 Studio Break student competition winners, selected by Kendra Balgren from James May Gallery. So really excited to feature her. We talk all about her work and her background growing up in Iran and how that influences her work that explores bodies, domestic spaces, and especially the borders and boundaries between country, between home, and so much more. And we talk all about that, of course, in the podcast coming up. You can also check out her exhibition entitled Home Sweet Home that's up at Contemporary Art Center of Peoria through February 19th. She has a Opening reception January 22nd on Saturday from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m., so check that out. And she'll be giving an artist talk on Friday, February 4th at 7.30 p.m., so if you're in the area, definitely check it out. You can, of course, check out her work at sharbanuhamza.com, and, of course, follow her on Instagram at S-H-A-H-R-B-A-N-0-U. Just a quick note, too, if you've never heard the podcast before, we feature a variety of different artists. They come on, they talk all about their work, their background, their studio practice, and we share these conversations on studiobreak.com. You can find a big archive of episodes there. Each of those posts have images of the artist's artwork, links to their websites, and of course, you can listen right there on Studio Break or subscribe in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, and that way you've always got something to listen to in the studio. You can find us on social media, so be sure to like our Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter, at Studio Break. And, of course, be sure to follow, say hello, studio underscore break on Instagram. And with those brief announcements out of the way, let's dive right into this powerful interview with Sharbanu Hemza. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break, Sharbanu Hemza. Great to have you on. So so nice to talk to you. You too. Thank you for having me. And I would highlight, obviously, you know, you were one of our MFA competition winners last year, selected by Kendra Balgren from James May Gallery. So, you know, really excited to have you on and, you know, really appreciate you applying to, to share your work. So thanks so much for taking the time this morning. Yeah, thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. And, you know, we've been talking a little bit about your background. Obviously, you know, you are a painter and... We'll be talking all about that as it relates to different ideas, especially of boundaries and borders, as it relates to bodies. And, you know, you describe domestic spaces, um, mm-hmm. you're Iranian. So maybe maybe we could even talk there a little bit. So, you know, maybe give us a, a brief background in, in terms of where you're from. And, and obviously we can just kind of go all over the place from there. Okay, I'm from Iran and I lived there uh, until I was 33 years old. They came here in 2018 to study an MFA at Illinois State University focusing on painting. But to be honest, it was more than that. I just changed my life and I look at that uh, like a new start and everything changed from that. And I learned a lot. I'm so happy that I did that. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, we've talked a little bit about you've got family there. You know, we've talked kind of tangentially about some experiences and things like that. But, you know, maybe talk a little bit about that in terms of like, obviously, there's challenges, you know, certainly uh, as, a, as a woman growing up there that you kind of describe in, in your, your words. But was kind of art making and kind of a creative practice something that was of interest earlier on, or is it really kind of like something like you were describing that, you know, maybe this um, more recent change 
shifted that. When you say like Iranian and art, it's just something so related. Like it's in our culture, like the culture appreciate art and like many different crafts. Uh, but there is another aspect on it now. Like there is a government that don't appreciate art and don't appreciate even life. And mm-hmm. as a result of very, very bad government, the economy is just so weak that people cannot, even if they want, they cannot appreciate art. Like now life in Iran is just a matter of like surviving. Like it's just getting so worse. People work day and life just to survive. It's a, a status of exception. I don't think you can be an artist. You can, but like everything is in just a survival mode, you know? And so I'd imagine that was something that, you know, was very difficult and maybe if, with your time and experience living in Bloomington, Illinois, probably something that you see is, is, you know, vastly different. But, you know, I know that you also kind of studied at some point, too. So, I mean, you know, while, you know, those circumstances are different, did you kind of like, you know, creating things when you were younger? My mother was a carpet weaver mm-hmm. and like we had like a lot of colorful uh, like uh, atmosphere in the house all the time. And like as a kid, I helped my mother for making a carpet, like making a carpet is just a long term project. Like the one my mother most of the time made was like around two mid- a square meter and mm-hmm. it took like more than a year, like a year and wow. a half, like very <laughs> slowly processed and very beautiful. And very labor intensive, yeah. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> My father was a cobbler and his shop was like just next to our house. And I spent a lot of time in his shop, like using the the things he didn't want anymore to make stuff out of it, like little sculpture, little stuff <laughs> that mm-hmm. when I was a kid, I put name on them and like... Yeah, like all the time sewing, uh, sewing stuff to each other or gluing stuff to each other. And I had material, like a lot of material because I was <laughs> kind of living in my father's shop. Sure, sure. That's got some kind of creative outlet, right? So <laughs> yeah, that was the atmosphere at the beginning. And like I was drawing like all the time, like naturally too. I remember like our neighbors, my older siblings, and the people who knew me brought me project to draw for them. Like, for example, their biology classes want them to draw um, like tree or um, organ or something. And I was the solution all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And I I was enjoying that. Like, um, I was the person who do many of my classmates drawing. And uh, yeah, the teacher didn't know. But... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Was that something then that, you know, you could kind of think about pursuing? And is it something that was maybe more like practical like that to be like a cobbler or to be, you know, an artisan as opposed to being, you know, an artist that's going to make self-expressive, you know, paintings or something like that? The idea that you have to have a nine to five jobs and you have to earn money, especially like in my country, that the economy was not as strong as here. Like at that time was better, like these days is the worst time but like not that much better mm-hmm. that idea was there and I did a uh, math at my high school and I supposed to be an engineer and like I did like I was going to um, kind of painting drawing class from my um, like the first year of high school, like, uh, but not all the time. Like, when I had less busy schedule on um, a school or on summers, like something like that. I remember my father. The first summer I went to. Um, uh, that painting drawing class, my father told me if I was successful in my uh, school, I can continue. Or if not, the school is just more important than art. And like, I can do that on my own time later. Mm-hmm. I get that so seriously. And I was like the best student the whole school. <laughs> like, So I'm going to go to drawing class. It's going to happen. That drawing class was like the best thing I had. Like we were living in a, a small town uh, near Tehran. Mm-hmm. And that was like the best thing that could happen to me. Like now when I'm thinking of that, like many of the things I learned there, maybe they, they were not the best thing. <laughs> like I could use my time differently if I knew better. Mm-hmm. Considering the situation, that was so good thing that happened to me. 
there is an entrance exam for uh, going to bachelor in my country. Like you go and take an exam first uh, on all the materials on high school. Then you choose some university and like those university look at your uh, background and stuff and maybe they choose you or not like it's a very hard process mm-hmm. and I remember it took me two years that I accept okay I'm gonna be an artist like I just I did the entrance exam for uh, mathematics and uh, I was not that bad in it but like I didn't get accepted in a things I was okay to continue and all the time I did the entrance exam for art without studying or do anything as a component, like next thing. Mm-hmm. And all the time I got accepted in a very good thing. I said, maybe I should consider that. That was a time that I went to another city called Kashan, three hours from Tehran and three hours from our home too. I don't think like... Uh, my father was really happy at the time about that decision. Now he's okay with my practice, but at the time he thought, okay, maybe it's not a very good decision because of the same, like, you should earn money, you should, like, mm-hmm. uh, have a, like, real job. Sure. That, <laughs> like, being scared of being an artist, you are, you are going to be, like, not successful. You are going to be hungry all the time. Well, it's interesting, too, because, you know, it's very much a <laughs> a pride of American culture, too, is this idea of like, you know, how are you going to support yourself? You know, why why would you choose this instead of being a lawyer? You know? Yeah. So, again, it's interesting how some of those similarities, you know, stack up. And, and maybe tell us a little about that experience then studying then. And I know as we've been talking previously, there was a lot more development in, in terms of where you're at now, you know, going through graduate school. But what was that experience like, you know, studying studying art then? Were you kind of really drawn towards, you know, like observational type work? Maybe mm-hmm. just tell us a little bit about that before I start going going off into the different direction. <laughs> when I went with my bachelor uh, studies, the major called handicraft, like there is a major in Iran called handicraft, but uh, basically it's focused on Iranian art and culture and I learned a lot different technique different kind of drawing and the drawing that is just special to our culture like uh, you would see them in carpet you would see them on the buildings or very very small artifact everywhere you can see them like a part of it is focused on flowers and like abstract kind of abstract flowers and a part of it is just focused on uh, geometric shapes and patterns i learned about those and like the last year of my bachelor i focused on uh, ceramics and i made very different kind of art uh, but the whole time I was uh, teaching drawing, like figurative drawing mm-hmm. and like landscape and still life drawing to other people, like other majors who like to have some art or like other artists. I just had some classes for them and I had my drawing classes. Like even if I went that direction, still I was doing drawing most of the time. The way this, uh, the school works in Iran, that was like I have to go to something and study one semester, then to to be a painter mm-hmm. and that's funny that like at the time uh, I received some advice from my my instructors at the time who supposed to like be pro art and stuff that you should stay in this major uh, to be able to earn money like mm-hmm. it still was about money but I was doing the drawing and painting all the time. Now, after like long time after that, I am so happy that I did that. I stayed there and I know about Iranian altar and culture more if I was just doing painting all the time. But like the reason at that time was like I got advice about money. At the end, it just turned very well, (laughs) but not for a good reason. And then I came back home and still uh, was doing more figurative stuff. I had two years of like teaching to kids and different kind of schools. Like I was a teacher for two years. And then I realized I need to go back to school. And I did an MA at painting this time at Azahra University in Tehran. 
And that was the time I made the series uh, Women Dance Music. My mind was like uh, about how women life is just so repetitive and like doing the same thing. That's the music part. Mm-hmm. And so colorful, but like so frustrating and so boring at the same time. Like that's why I have a lot of color, um, but kind of subdued. I have duality there too. Like the duality is something I have all the time in my my thinking and my art and that was the time I think that was the time I just started to talking about but like I think it started after high school that I noticed oh as a woman I am different in this country like I have to work six times maybe to be recognized the same as a man like the man is just okay like by nature just being is good but for a woman it's just you have to work you have to work and you get rejection and rejection and like that was the first time I think it just came to my like obviously it came to my work that I start talking about being a woman and I wanted change well and and one you know work that I wanted to point out from that series and I know that we mentioned that earlier was women dance music for yeah just reminds me of like uh, such a matisse kind of flatness but you've got all these vibrant colors but to kind of hear you talking about this you know i also kind of you know think about that idea of repetition and there's like a clothesline kind of like hanging off into the distance which maybe kind of makes me think about those type of repetitive tasks that you know you're maybe having to do is that kind of like that idea in there and to kind of like imbue that in there but yeah I look at that painting like all the time I thought oh it's just so close to me <laughs> I love that painting from Matisse and like the whole uh, flower and like abstract flower and we call uh, those um kind of a branch like khatai and islamian khatai like flower and those combination islamian and khatai we call that i thought it's just so close to me and to our culture and like i just changed a few things i brought a woman that's my sister mm-hmm. <laughs> i brought a woman and like in the whole series we don't have very obvious like face because i was talking about uh, identity how like women are there but like not as a as a person like they are just there and doing stuff and they cannot have their own identity like the face is covered i just changed uh, the thing like i just kept the the fruit and i was thinking about how drinking is like illegal (laughs) Mm -hmm. i removed everything just i kept the fruit and like the bags and the window open to a cement atmosphere with things that i kind of repeat in my uh, my works that window opened to another piece that i made i brought what is the number number two to number four i can't say it like that well and that's interesting too because there's obviously you know those themes throughout this series the face is kind of obscured or kind of almost universal in that regards then you know like you can kind of talk about like this is how it is culturally you know. At the time, I was thinking like women kind of eventually disappear to home. Like they are part of the home. Like there, there is no difference between a woman and like that dishwasher over there. Like mm-hmm. it's just there and like do its job. And that's the woman too. Like they cannot voice their opinion. And like whenever they do, they are to blame. And uh that's that was why like I like I just kind of have the figure there but not very like at the time I didn't think it didn't see a difference between a woman and a dishwasher (laughs) that's sad to say but yeah well I mean again that's a difficult thing to think about you know obviously culturally different but there's still those things that exist here maybe not to that extent but you know that's something that's really hopefully, I guess, uh, in that sense, like optimistic and that it seems like, you know, hopefully some progress, you know, moving towards um, identity or being able to kind of take ownership of your your life or your expression. I just want to say I cannot call it our culture. Like it's being the culture of the country because like it's reinforced by the government for 43 years now. Mm -hmm. The thing about uh, the situation in Iran is like the law is against women. It's just systematically is against women, the situation. And like even if there are some good people, uh, they cannot do anything. And like the people who just their mindset is just against women, they have the power. Like if a person to a guy and the guy is very bad person controlling 
there is no uh, coming out of it. You know, there is no law to go to that makes it reinforced, right? It happens and happens and make it stronger. And like, uh, yeah, I can't say I don't like the things happening in my country right now, but it's not like, it's not the culture. Like you can even say it in, um, in the language, like in English, we say brother and sister, but like in Persian, we say sister and brother, or we say husband and wife but our language we we bring women first you know what i mean mm-hmm. or like the language or f- for their like third person doesn't have any any emphasis of the gender and there are many things that uh, make me believe it's not the culture it was not and it's just this government that's the way i think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well and to kind of think about that trajectory you know even further then so is this, you know, maybe kind of after this experience about the time that you kind of decided that you wanted to pursue, you know, your, your degree in the United States or how, how did that come about? After I did my MA at Tehran University, at the end of it, I was teaching in a university in, a, it's called Azad University in Robot Karim. And I found a job in a, in a factory and I was uh, working in a photography department, like some art related activities but like it was not enough and uh, it sounds like was that it that's the end <laughs> like it was not enough like so do I want to be this like for 20 more years and that the answer was not no I don't want to and uh, there was the economy accept into it too like as I told you like like I had the time to do some art related job but I didn't have my own practice I I couldn't work I couldn't uh, like uh, go to a studio and like have a day like working, like drawing. Mm-hmm. That was obvious. I'm not going to uh, make a living out of art either. That was that part. That was not satisfying to just to just do some activities related to art. I wanted my own practice. And uh, the other part was like I was uh, in a very bad situation, like, I just got a divorce and that was a very, very, very bad situation because in Iran, uh, as I told you, the law is against women and I have to fight to do that. And um, like being in court for a year and like uh, be treated very bad, like just because you are a woman, you are to blame. Like I did something wrong. It was a lot. And uh, that was the time I j- actually worked, uh, like, it, start, it started the uh, series Bad Dream of Relationship, mm-hmm. like, the drawing. Actually, I continued that when I came here, too. But, like, that's the, the whole conversation and, like, the figurative uh, chaos come from that situation. I had an experience like the last year I was in my country, someone broke in my house and steal my laptop and my roommate. And I remember uh, like I called the number in my country is one one zero. I called the number and like one one person came and like asked me to call uh, the police again for another person to come and investigate. I called and the person asked me what is missing and I explained this is the thing I miss and let my roommate come home to be sure what she lost and she said oh two women live together I'm not gonna investigate that I said what do you mean and he said everyone should be in that house like he kind of accusing me uh, like uh, that I don't know who is in my house coming and come going out just because I'm a woman and there is no men in that house mm-hmm. it was too much for me and like I told him whatever immoral that you think I'm doing you are still in charge for our safety you are the police you know mm-hmm. and he just hang up on me it was so bad like it just it, it was saying, even if a person steal your laptop, it doesn't matter. You are to blame. And uh, it was it was very, very hard moment for me. And I said, OK, I'm not going to live here. I love this country. I love my people. Um, but I need to leave. <laughs> I need to leave somewhere to be appreciated. Yeah, I mean, it's it's insane to kind of think about somebody you know, not being able to kind of react and, and, and respect you and, and to think about what their, their duties are, their responsibilities to kind of protect you. Mm-hmm. 
it's troubling to kind of hear that, you know, somebody that's supposed to be in that situation isn't, isn't responding. But I did want to kind of come back a little bit to that series that you were kind of talking about, you know, you kind of, you know, were elaborating a little bit about, you know, this, uh, this transition, this divorce kind of going through that. But in terms of the work, but maybe talk a little bit about this series in terms of some of the ideas to the formal qualities with um, bad dream of relationship. I think in this series, like uh, that was when uh, like stains come to my practice. I was thinking of um, dirty situation, chaos, but at the same time, I couldn't let go of like kind of beauty like that's the thing they teach you in abusive situation that you should keep the beautiful face like oh the, no one should know what you're suffering from you should you shouldn't talk about it Mm-hmm. Like that's the mindset, and like the person who is suffering never get to to talk about because all the time the the people or the situation if it's just abusive it's just the closer people like in a it can be in a family setting and in my case in, it was the country setting right you don't talk about the bad stuff about the country or no one should know why not like that's my situation I want to talk about it mm-hmm. all the time that I think about that representation like we we keep the beauty i think about that and at the same time the situation is so chaotic and it's just uh, dirty and stained and and i think that's the combination of that and the the text on the on top is uh, my poem uh, the poem was about the relationship and at the time i was thinking i was relearning a relationship and uh, i was thinking why i chose that person i was thinking about the whole idea of like relationship and how a person can abuse the other one and like just think about being like dominant and like the power and uh, something like that and it was in my poems too. I add them and I cannot say I have a good handwriting, but I mm-hmm. <laughs> wanted to be like me, the sure. way I am in my chaos, whatever. <laughs> I just wanted to be me. And like I add those, but I knew the audience I have here cannot read them, right? I just uh, treat them as a visual element, adding to that atmosphere, like kind of remind me of like magic writing, <laughs> like they they write something and that writing do something. For me, that looks like that, adding to the whole composition. And uh, most of the time, the, the figure are in a very, very not comfortable situation, but like the face doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. Like I was thinking about different kind of power relationship in a like, relationship and when I was working on that. And uh, for example, bad dream of relationship number 28, there is a man uh, that just lay down and everything happened in in front of it, like the scene and I was thinking of patriarchy you know how like patriarchy how like that mindset cause people to cause each other pain and police each other and uh, censor each other and like you know that's because like you are scared for the person you love but you are after a while you are the person who who are causing the pain and it just a circle and reinforce the whole things again and again. I'm assuming then maybe sometime after this is when you came over to the to the states. Is that correct? Or maybe talk yeah. a about that too, because it seems like that was the work that you kind of left with, but then carried over some of those elements. This piece I did, I did in the U.S. Very first semester I was here, 2018. But like I did the drawing, like some part of drawing before like a small piece of drawing. And I used them in like bigger pieces. Mm-hmm. And like uh, even if now, like I all the time think about my country, the women's situation in my country. At that time, I was like my mind was there like now i can say i have a parallel life Mm -hmm. some issue here i think about me here my family and like part of it uh, like home my home country but at that time like that was the whole things that i came from and like i was so appreciative like i had a a studio from a school that I, I could work and I used that <laughs> and I just was working, working, but like 
my mind was still in the experience that I was living. You know, again, one of the things too about the series that I love so much is the kind of remove from the those color relationships too, the ones that are just kind of black and white. Because I can see the way that, you know, like I think you describe it even as like trauma in, in terms of writing. But you can kind of see that quality about it, you know, the way that they're kind of like stretched or, you know, kind of shifting that way. Obviously a lot different than, you know, what had come before that. Yeah. I'm, I'm so curious. So like uh, Illinois State University is, you know, kind of in the middle of, you know, the United States. Was there a particular reason that that was something that you, you know, kind of found or kind of pursued in terms of your, your graduate degree? Yes, <laughs> that was a very particular reason. And my brother came here the year before. He was so um, satisfied with the quality of education. And like at the time, maybe I didn't know the importance of it, but I wanted a family member. Like me and my sister both, uh, the year after, applied for Illinois State University. And um, I came uh, one semester before my sister because of visa situation. And like the fact that we had each other here, like, Help me to survive. Like here, it's just not a matter of dying, right? Like back home, it's just a safety, real safety. But here, like everything was new and like we needed each other. And uh, I remember uh, it was 2019 that uh, the government shut down internet for um, a week because of the protest in the street. And like that was the time with like all of us sitting on the table with a few friends. And like, just understand, like we lost our home country mm-hmm. in another level, like like the the week that we couldn't talk to our parents and we didn't know if they are safe and we didn't know what happened. And uh, there was some some news coming that people are dying on the street. And uh, that was good that we had each other. You know, mm-hmm. that was a good, good decision <laughs> that I came to the place that my my siblings are too. I would imagine kind of leaving your homeland and coming here allowed you kind of more freedom to kind of pursue the the work that you wanted to make or to kind of, you know, continue your story, but, you know, kind of take ownership of it again. Exactly. I remember I had uh, an instructor, like uh, I was graduate from school at the time, but like I was in touch with uh, my instructor and I went and show uh, like bad dream of relationship sketches and like uh, pictures. That's what I'm doing. Like I was so proud. Mm -hmm. And um, the first thing he said was like, you know, you cannot show this, right? I said, oh, yeah, (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I didn't want the first reaction. Yeah, I expected him to talk about like figures, like so- something, you know, mm-hmm. like artistic elements. But the fir- the very first thing was like, you cannot show this here. You know that. So, yeah, I know. <laughs> and you reminded me the the worst thing about this. Yeah, I I could do whatever I wanted here. That's something to very important and. Uh, that showed me that that's the censorship and uh, the mindset, how deep is in me. You know what? Like I could do whatever, but I sometimes I stop to myself and like I catch myself, like I caught myself and that moment say, okay, why you are doing this now? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it was just so deep in me, like the shame and the guilt. Like I remember I couldn't talk about my divorce for a while. And uh, the very, very first time that I, I just mentioned it was a talk I had at University Gallery in MFA Biennial 2021. Like, like after three years, I just could say I was divorced. And like you would say, think. That's nothing to be ashamed, and and I and I know that like that was the best decision I I made in my life. Mm-hmm. They plant the shame and guilt in you, in a way you don't like yourself. And I remember after that, after that um, divorce and stuff, I was um, at school, that school I was teaching with some colleagues, and I just noticed myself. I'm talking very slow, like not with energy, you know. I asked myself, you did why you are you are like that? You didn't do anything wrong. But like the society and like the mindset that the government is reinforcing is so strong, you know? And it just stayed with me. After three years, I just was able to talk about it. 
and like all the time I was making this uh, this work and university, but I never said that's about me. I all the time said, okay, that's about relationship mm-hmm. and the relationship people have. <laughs> but I was one of them. <laughs> yeah. But maybe maybe highlight some work that that kind of came after that to kind of you know uh, talk about. The pieces are really close to Mimi. Is the, my last series, Delightful Scars, that I'm still working on them. Mm-hmm. That's the series that the figurative uh, series and like the, the other series welcoming in the front door, which is like colorful and uh, more about texture and um, different kind of forms come together. Like everything just put in its own place. Like that was the last semester of my MFA and uh, I was so excited like it sounds like whatever I knew uh, just came together I was more relaxed I trust myself as an artist more and uh, it just came I think by time like eventually with different stuff like happening in my mindset and I had like some very helpful people to talk about it in a school and everything was feeling so great and mm-hmm. correct and right and like when I was happy with the piece I could say you know like I could trust my understanding of art better and that was so good <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. continuing like I'm learning but like that last semester was very important to me well and you know obviously the paintings themselves I think are just really beautiful in terms of their you know like layered quality that watery kind of atmosphere. But as you kind of describe too, as you start looking at them, you start noticing, you know, different elements. So you'll see, you know, part of like a, you know, the shape of a face or eyes or, you know, kind of various elements kind of floating within that. And I think, again, it's, it's interesting to kind of see it in comparison to what came earlier because they, in some regards seem very tranquil but, you know, again, the, maybe that's just because I'm looking at it, especially for all the colorful aspects of it, the softness of it. But maybe maybe you could kind of add on to that. The mindset, like the the thoughts behind this series, their last two series of Welcoming in the Front Door and The Delightful Scars, these two, was about, I cannot say just these two, because I, as I said, like everything came together, even the distance series, but it was a very short series. And like I was doing that <laughs> my second uh, semester at a school that I was really homesick. And like that's my family on the like I took some a screenshot when I was talking uh, with them on WhatsApp and uh, I just draw them. And uh, it was about me thinking like there is a layer of uh, reality there and ra- layer of reality here and these two never match like I, there is even if I'm talking on the phone with them and I can't see their face there is no connection like I couldn't feel it like, that was not enough even that I think came to the the last thoughts uh, I, I had and it was a part I was thinking about uh, immigration and I was thinking about borders like how I'm over this line this border and everything is different the law is different and uh, how like they are real and they are not real the borders are like that's the thing I was thinking about the home too because I was thinking about domestic violence and how there is a house some walls some doors and behind those like a person can like do whatever (laughs) especially in my country because uh, there is no law against that like if a if a woman goes to police and say okay i'm not safe they are not going to do anything about it they are going to bring the poor lady to the house which is so possible that tomorrow she's going to be killed you know it happened actually like in 2019 there are a few girls like very young who were killed by their father and uh, one of them actually went to police and said that and uh, like it happened really <laughs> and the father killed her that was one of very shock moment for me that like yeah I knew like lies against women and everything but like to the point of femicide to the point of like they can kill a woman and like the life of a woman is dispendable just because she's a woman it's just too much and I I thought like I'm gonna work on this and I thought maybe it was like that 
before, but like the only thing that makes us know more about these stories is social media. Mm-hmm. Like everyone has phone and like that's just the technology. Like those deaths, like very young, like the the girls I'm talking about is just 13, 14 year old. Like whatever she did, she did, like she was a child, you know? Mm-hmm. But like the law in my country based on like Shia, like uh, Islam, is just the girls is uh, adult at the age of nine. Huh. They have some kind of uh, like variation of it, 13 or something like that. But like the, there is all the time a way to go around that law. And like that law is just not protecting women. And when like child marriage is allowed, the sick people can marry a child <laughs> and it's okay. Like it just... Uh, it was just beyond my acceptance beyond my comprehension and I just needed to do something and I think that my last uh, series was just more about that obviously like in the welcoming in the front door series I I was still talking about same issues but uh if you see, like, they are based on the time, like, the, the one on top are the newer one, and the one on the bottom in the page are, like, the oldest one. Uh, when I started, it was just, like, I, we don't know what is behind the door. Like, it can be good, it can be bad. Like, I start from that mindset, like, duality, like, family can help and family can destroy and such, such a mindset. But, like, when that thing happened, it was just, like, no, the bad things are so urgent and so often that we need to focus on that. We need to talk about it. And uh, I think that was what I did. And uh, the comparison that I had, like, uh, at the same time, my government was killing a lot of citizens, like a, a thousand five hundred people in a week, like uh, bloody November. I don't know if you heard of that. And like uh, the the only thing that allowed them to do that was that border, like based on the law that they create, they are allowed to like to kill people, like to go to, on the street and shoot them in the head <laughs> and like even charge the family for the bullet when they are going to uh, give them the corpse, like like very, very abstract. And that's the same thing about the house and uh, like a father or like a person, an authority can do whatever they want because like they they draw that line and said, okay, the law is different in that line, in that circle. And that's just something uh, on my mind. And at the same time, I was comparing that to a body, like how a single body can go through trauma and like, like you cannot see everything from a face right but like I call it delightful scars because I thought you can see some stuff like we should be ready for that sign uh, this person is suffering maybe that uh, scars that sign can bring help and I was thinking that's the same about house like sometimes you can see from outside the house this family are, are happy or not it's not very like <laughs> exact but like they take care of it they have like garden you know and uh, some people don't take care of the house and uh, about the country is just like the hardest one because uh, like for example people know about my country mostly from media like the news like the idolas who are killing us too like me as an Iranian I am not the bad person there, right? I am the person who who run away from that. But like sometimes here, people understand me as that. Like I am to blame for the things like the Ayatollah is doing to my people, to me. Like at the age of 33, I left my country. Like I don't say like that's very unusual, but like it's not like I was so young and I was going to experience. I had to, like I was not safe, you know? Like the whole mindset uh, uh, behind that was like, is about like duality and border and boundaries, how they are for safety, but sometimes they don't work like that. Our uncertainty, not being safe. And like, I was thinking like in a country like that, like when a father can kill a daughter without like punishment, how a person can decide who's the friend, like who's the safe like person to go, you know? 
and that uncertainty and doubt and fear and danger. I was thinking about that. And as I told you all the time, I had the duality in my mind, like still life is going on and still people laughing, enjoying and um, good aspect. Like I all the time think about both together. Mm-hmm. But these days, mostly I'm talking about the problems. Well, and I guess, you know, to think about that, that last you know, round of work, and obviously we can talk a little bit about your exhibition that's currently up. Is that something too where you're, you know, kind of working intuitively when you're painting? Are you kind of like journaling or writing things down and then kind of reacting and starting a new composition to think about how you're going to include some of those elements in a work? My work actually changed, uh, like from from that time I was just working figurative and like uh, more going to like um, photo references to these days. These days I started with feeling uh, like a stain, colors, and like I think I make the feeling of the painting, like the color combination first, like more intuitive, and then I add some figurative stuff to it uh, more to it and sometimes I notice like people don't notice the figure or the thing there at the very first glance uh, but it's okay with me like there is another thing there (laughs) for the people who can like uh, spend time with the painting and say these days I don't uh, write about like one painting or decide on one painting how I'm gonna do mostly I think and write about the idea what's happening what's happening and like that's my mindset and then I work and most of the time I work like on a few painting at the same time like I do a little bit uh, work here wait uh, and like look at them and just go another painting like it's a combination of work that I am I am spending time on them and like then one of them finish and like another painting come to that <laughs> <laughs> like kind of a kind of role like when some painting is done I take them out of the active <laughs> part mm-hmm. to the exhibition part <laughs> sure sure <laughs> yeah and it's so interesting too to see the way that the color shifts in them too um, and obviously the staining element that's something that you've been you know utilizing but then, you know, we think back to that painting that we were talking about earlier that I said reminded me of like a Matisse painting. Mm-hmm. You know, there's these bright, bold, vibrant colors. And then, you know, these have this atmosphere and they're very colorful, but just obviously like in a more subdued kind of way. And maybe that kind of reflects the nature of, um, you know, the emotions, the feelings that you're kind of exploring in the series. Yeah, I think so. And like, I remember one person called them a landscape of a inside a person mind. And I like that. Mm-hmm. That's what happening in my mind. Like, yeah, I think I had color most of the time. But like the way I'm using it uh, is a little bit different these days. Yeah. And again, to kind of remind everybody too, you've got some exhibitions up, if I'm not mistaken. So maybe, maybe talk a little bit about that one, especially at, um, in Peoria. Yes. Uh, I have one exhibition up uh, now at uh, Contemporary Art Center at Peoria, and uh, it includes uh, the, the pieces I have from, from Delightful Scars and Welcoming in Front Door series. Uh, like, it's a big body of my work, and when I walked in, I really like to see all of them next to each other on a, like, brick Mm-hmm. wall i enjoyed that <laughs> hopefully others uh, are gonna enjoy that too and i call that home sweet home uh, based on the uh, the conversation we had like the duality in home and where is home and like the home country which is not safe and those ideas i call it that and it's gonna be on the wall until february 14th i think there is a opening at uh, January 22nd and uh, artist talk at uh, the first Friday, February 4th. I'm going to give a talk around 7.30 and um, yeah, I would be happy if 
people can participate. Oh, there is a, another show that I am uh, curating in a place I am working these days. Heartland Community College uh, has a gallery called Macaulay Art Gallery. We have a, a group show of 50 Iranian artists and uh, that's a mostly photography show. We have some photo montage and one video, and uh, it's called Being a Woman, and it's about a women experience in life. And they they have like each artist have different story of uh, their experience. And uh, if people are in the area, I suggest that too. I just remembered like uh, the um, Being a Woman show is on the Heartland Community College uh, website too on the uh, current show. Like that's another place to see that show. It was so hard for me at the same time, very joyful that I can uh, help some other artists to have their voice uh, here and give me opportunity to talk about women's situation. Situation. But like when we had a conversation, I remember two of the artists at the very, very last moment uh, said they don't want to be in the show. And like they already signed the contract and the show was hung, hung. And I was I was wondering, like, what can I do about that? Like, mm-hmm. I, uh, I just told them I am still waiting for their answer. Uh, I emailed them and said the, the thing I can think is just we can cover your piece. We cannot remove the piece like the show is up and like it's just not fair to the other artists and me <laughs> that mm-hmm. put this like this much of time there, like putting that show up. And we can uh, put a tracing paper on the piece. Um, that means if someone take a picture, you are not going to. Uh, be like your piece are not going to be in the picture and like we can uh, black marker we can uh, cover your name too uh, we are going to call those two pieces self-censored and I was thinking about how the um, conversation can scare a person who couldn't show the piece like in the country but like now she, she has a way to show it like decide not to just because of the fear Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. I think we talked a little bit about it, like how the government censor women and how there is another layer to it. Like they make women censor themselves and they make men or other women in their life to censor them too. Like it's just getting so choking. Like it comes so close. You, you yourself are doing that now. And um, that's something... They came up uh, with that show, like uh, how how it's happening. That was the hard part, like the hard conversation there. And like there was another aspect in the conversation I had with these 50 artists. I noticed how they they talking about, it's just some observation, maybe it's not accurate, but like I felt like they think, oh, that's women life everywhere. Like that's the conversation from society that they want them to believe it's everywhere it's not everywhere mm-hmm. <laughs> like women have problems everywhere right but it changed but the level of the problems that we are dealing with in our country is just different like femicide is just uh, like child marriage uh, or many, many other things. Like many women are in prison now just because they don't like a mandatory job. Like they don't want to wear a scarf, right? But they are like 10 years and 20 years in prison. It's just not fit punishment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they should be allowed to choose what to wear, right? Like I think about myself, like every day you, when you are going out of the house, you look at the p- mirror and you don't like the thing you're wearing. You know, it's okay. Like maybe some people believe in that, but it should be them. Many, many women in my country don't believe in hijab, but there is no choice. And uh, such a things. But like my observation was like it, the mindset is like it's everywhere. And I think that's for making the resilient and like the fight that women are doing in my country like weak. Like, no, that's everywhere. You don't have to fight for it. And there are many, many civil disobedience that women are doing. Like um, one of them called White Wednesday and women go uh, in 
public such as atmosphere and take a picture without hijab them, themselves and post it on Instagram. And even that can like have some consequences for them. Or there is another one that a young girl started that she uh, went uh, on top of a step and like hang her, her scarf from a piece of wood, like hanging that, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't want you. <laughs> and like people like continue doing that and get arrested for that. My point is like, we are fighting, but yeah, hopefully soon it's going to change. Well, and again, I think it's so wonderful that you can kind of, you know, be in this position, but obviously you're able to kind of pursue these things in a way that um, hopefully others can kind of see that there's other possibilities, you know, and obviously given the circumstances and the ideas behind it, I mean, I think that's very, very important. Um, and, you know, I guess, especially before we, we wrap officially, you know, we've highlighted some of those exhibitions. Where are some places that people can stay up to date with your work in, in terms of your, your website, in terms of, I'm assuming Instagram is, is kind of a good place as well? And my website is my first name and last name.com, sharbonohamza.com. And I, I'm very up to date with that, <laughs> almost. And uh, my Instagram is uh, sharbonu, uh, but... Uh, the two O at the end are zero and U, just because the my <laughs> first name was already there. And um, I think that's the two good place. And I uh, we have a page for Macaulay Art Gallery, too, that uh, the show I was talking about is represented there. Like the picture of that show is there. And it's Macaulay Gallery on Instagram. Excellent. Excellent. And again, I hope people, you know, definitely take the time to kind of check out these exhibitions. And so again, very exciting to to talk about these things. And I know, again, we always kind of feel like we scratched the surface, you know, (laughs) even, even in an hour. Um, But again, it's been so wonderful talking to you and and learning more about you. And and thank you so much for for sharing your work and, and your passion and your ideas. Thank you so much for having me and like giving me this opportunity Thanks again to Charbonneau for joining me. Check out her work in the flesh at the Contemporary Art Center of Peoria in Home Sweet Home, a solo exhibition that runs through February 19th. Once again, the opening reception is Saturday, January 22nd from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. And you can also listen to her artist talk on Friday, February 4th at 7.30 p.m. Quick reminder that you can also check out the curated exhibition Being a Woman, Iranian Artist Reflection that's up at Heartland Community College featuring 50 artists and once again, lots and lots of photographs, powerful stories, so check that out and once again, there'll be a link on studiobreak.com for that. You can also find links to Charbonneau's website, charbonneauhemza.com and of course, be sure to follow her on Instagram at S-H-A-H-R-B-A-N-0-U. If you enjoyed today's episode, remember there are plenty more on studiobreak.com. Each of those posts there have images of the artist's artwork, links to their websites. You can listen there on studiobreak.com, or you can subscribe to the podcast. It's a great way to have interesting conversations fill up your studio while you're working, give you great things to think about. And once again, if you could be so kind, please help spread the word. Please be sure to subscribe and leave a review if you'd like. It certainly helps others find this podcast. And of course, I would note to any students listening, our student competition will be opening up this spring. So mark your calendars, keep your eyes peeled, and be sure to follow Studio Break. Music for today's podcast is by Golden Shadow, which features myself on guitar, Ben Cohan on drums, and Brett Beery on bass. If you want to check out some of Ben's paintings, be sure to follow him on Instagram at mbencohanstudio. You'll find a link to his website there. And, of course, you can find Brett Beery there on Instagram as well at Brett Beery and a link to Bandcamp where he has a number of albums that you can check out and listen to. And if you want to see some of my paintings, you can head on over to davidlinaway.com. There's plenty there. You can also find me in social media at David Linaway on Facebook, Twitter, on Instagram. It's always great, especially hearing from people on Instagram. You can also do that by hitting up our Studio Break accounts. So please like our Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter at Studio Break. And, of course, be sure to say hello on Instagram if you enjoyed today's podcast at Studio underscore Break. 
It's always great hearing from listeners, and we love being able to share these intimate conversations, these powerful ones, like today's episode with Charbonneau. So, again, if you enjoyed today's episode, please let us know. And there we are, our first podcast in the books for the year. Hope that you enjoyed today's episode. We'll talk to you real soon.